Hello, I'm Arafat, I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Hello and welcome to another episode of Slow Pit Stop. My name is Arafat and as always I'm joined by my co-host Mohammed. Hi guys. Today we have so much to get through. First our new game, Storm in a Tweet Cup, then the news before we get on to discussing the race. Uh, and also we'll have some announcements about Fantasy F1 towards the end. Mohammed, how are you? I am uh, emerging from a depressive slumber, so I'm good. Speaking of depressing, both of us watched Batman this week. Yeah. Oh, how yeah. was that for you? Let's talk about happy things that made us happy instead of things that <laughs> made like... us sad. Let's just change the entire focus of this podcast. <laughs> I like Batman, but I thought it was funny that he made a terrible Bruce Wayne. Like, he was just like the most emo, gothic, you know, bangs with eyeshadow Bruce Wayne ever. Complete I, re- I really, really like Batman as well. But for me, what was the weirdest was... At the end of the film, you know, when, well, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but there, okay, the if, location. If you haven't heard it, just skip the next like two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. the location, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but the location is Glasgow Royal Infirmary, which is where oh, I used to work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've clearly shut off the street for filming. But in real life, that street is always like quite busy and got cars all parked in it. And the first thought that popped into my head when I saw that was, oh, Parking's going to be really easy tonight. <laughs> and then I was like, oh no, wait, this isn't real life right you now. You know, I was in Scotland when they filmed the apps, the final scene in the graveyard without giving away. Just, yeah. And I remember everything was shut down and we couldn't go anywhere. Like, because the traffic was just so crazy because everything was shut down because they were filming that scene. But that was like, like year, that was a pro- that was before the pandemic. Like that was yeah. so long ago. And that's how long it takes things to, to come out. Yeah, the movie was but good. I liked it. It was very good. But should we get back to Formula One? Yeah, I go fine. <laughs> I so, I thought we'll try and keep things light and start with a game. So, what I've done is I've taken a tweet from from Ferrari. I, there's a lot of strange tweets out there on the internet, and uh, <laughs> I can't even work out who's right, who's wrong. People are just shouting at each other. So, I'm just going to steer clear of that. And I found an official tweet from Ferrari. And what I've done is I'm going to blank out three of the words in the middle of the tweet, and I want you to guess what Ferrari we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So the tweet that they put out during FP2 was, following both drivers, blank, 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 they won't resume the session due to damages. Okay. What do you think those three words were? <clears throat> following both drivers, it's three words, right? I feel like this is like high yeah. stakes F1 wordle. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Following both drivers, flying off the handle. I know that's four words. That's four words. Okay, fine. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. All yellows. I'll do it again. Okay. (laughs) Following both drivers, bald spotting their tires. That's also four words. (laughs) Why can't I think of three words? Following both drivers. Following both drivers, dodging rebel missiles. There you go. Dodging rebel missiles. Dodging rebel resume. missiles. Very yes. good. Very topical. So, <laughs> resume the should we lock it into the computer? Computer, was he correct? Is that the... Is that the... Does Wordle make sounds? Millionaire thing? I don't no, know. who wants to be a millionaire? Who wants to be a millionaire? Anyway, you were wrong. Yeah, that, that, that's what I was trying to do. But anyway, following both drivers, kissing the wall. 
they won't oh. resume the session. But <laughs> you like brought it. up dodging missiles. So let's get straight into it. We almost didn't have a race. Mohammed, can you tell us why? Yeah, so it actually started last weekend. There was a potential attack on Jeddah by the Yemeni Houthi rebels, and it was stopped by the Saudi Arabian Air Force. And so there's a big conversation. Do we even hold a race? But then they saw, you know what? It's fine. There's no threat. Then it's the day of FP1 and FP2. It's Friday, and there's another attack, and this one is not stopped by the Saudi Arabian Air Force, and it hits a nearby Aramco oil refinery plant. Um, which is 10 kilometers, who knows what that is in miles, probably something normal like six miles away from the track. It's uh, 12.2 football fields per eagle. Okay, which is very close, if you know anything about American measurement systems, very close to the track. And so the drivers were in FP2. You could actually see the smoke on the screen as they were driving from their onboards. They could see the smoke. Verstappen even said, "Do I, uh, is something burning? Is my car burning? And his engineer said, no, it's not your car. So the drivers were very concerned, and there was a big meeting with them, the, F- uh, the F1 bosses, the team principals, and the FIA and the Saudi Arabian Ministry of Sport. And after that, they said, "We, it's unanimous. We're all going to race. But the drivers stayed behind and said, we're going to do a meeting of our union, the Grand Prix Drivers Association, and we're going to decide what we want to do. Now, we don't really know what happened in this meeting. It went on for a long time until about 2 a.m. local time, and it started pretty late. It was about four hours long, the meeting. But what we've kind of heard from whispers coming out is that the drivers stood unanimous that they did not want to race. This prompted all of the team bosses and principals coming back. Oh, I thought it was five drivers didn't want to race. Oh, I've heard it was unanimous. They all didn't want to race. It started out with a majority and then it ended up becoming like, I think this is what I heard, that it was all of them. Regardless, Mm. when that happened, the team principals all came back and they said, you know, if you don't race, there's going to be certain consequences of not racing. Apparently, they were threatened with, you know, the reserve drivers are going to step in and we're going to hold a race anyway without you. And we can't even leave the country anyway, so we might as well race and... All sorts of things. Whatever it is, it was enough to stop at least a majority of the drivers and make them change their minds. And about 20 minutes after the team bosses came back, they all came out and said, yes, we're going to race. But nobody really seemed particularly happy about it. But for those four hours, it was definitely a question mark whether or not they were even going to race. Because this missile attack, this rebel missile attack had happened only 12 American football fields, which is about seven miles from from the track, which is very close. And Mm. just as a little personal tidbit i visited jeddah um i visited the track as well i didn't get to go in because it was closed but you know it's very close like it's actually very close this place it's not like i don't want people to think it's across town or it's like just another part of the city or it's out in the boonies or something like no it's when you take a train into jeddah you pass by this you get then you get off the train and then it's like a 10 minute drive to the track Mm. so this is not a very it's not far it's it's definitely like right around the corner so (coughs) definitely understandable fear from the drivers but, you know, I don't know, Arfa, what, how do you feel this whole thing played out this weekend? It's really difficult because whatever we say about racing, you know, we're really passionate about it. We love it. But actually, it's just people going round and round in circles. The priority should always be the drivers, the teams, the spectators, the people, the marshals that come work at the track. It should be their safety now. How do we go about making sure all these people are safe? You know, there's lots of opinions online. Some people are saying they should leave the country. Some people are saying, no, you shouldn't give in to attacks and bullying. Otherwise, it will embolden people to make more attacks and things. 
I don't want to speak from a position of ignorance on what is the correct thing to do with regards to security. I think it's fair to say, why are we racing in a place already where there is danger, you know? Um, and then people are drawing all these comparisons with Russia and what's happening in Ukraine and refusing to race in Russia. And they came out with all these t-shirts that said no war. But then we're okay with countries doing other things. You know, we brought up last time the UK and US where we grew up being involved in Iraq and Afghanistan or China and what's happening with the Uyghurs and all these different things. So it's complicated. There were lots of things that were said from people that I feel... You know, when the whole when the news started in Russia and people you hear news reporters saying this isn't like a normal war. These are civilized people. And what they really mean, these are white people. And they, they look down on other places. Mm. I felt like that was starting to creep in again. And that was upsetting. Regards to what was the right thing to do, I, I, I genuinely have no idea. We're not there. We, we're not on the ground. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, definitely a little bit of, you know, like if this was any other country and any other city, and God forbid, I, I just want to add God forbid before it because I, it's not like I'm wishing this on any other city, but let's say there was some other terrorist attack in another city at the same time as a Grand Prix weekend, it would have been canceled without even a second doubt, you know, uh, even if it was far away from the track or whatever, it would have just been canceled. Um, and, and I kind of understand the people who live in Saudi Arabia, the locals, the Saudi Ministry of Sport, all of them saying that, oh, you know, they're not going to attack the track, um, this, they do this all the time. They hit, you know, our petroleum facilities. It happens all the time. But I think that's kind of beside the point. And, and I heard from Saudis uh, who are Formula One fans on Twitter. They were pretty vocal. There was a space that they set up so they could kind of air their side of the story. And they were saying, like, you know, this is a, a normal thing that happens uh, in our country. And we've all gotten used to it. But I think, like you were saying, ultimately, it doesn't matter if it's normal to them. It's not normal to sport in Formula One. That if you're going to have an attack like this, that you just move forward as if nothing happened. And, you know, people were bringing up a very interesting point. That missile attack was so precise. It hit exactly, you know, to the square foot that it wanted to hit. If they wanted, there was nothing stopping them from hitting the track. It was just the idea that, oh, they don't normally attack sporting events. They normally attack, you know, like uh, infrastructure for the military and things like that. But again, there was really no guarantee that prevented them from... Uh, hitting the track so I, I definitely see where the drivers were coming from I, I really wish that the response from the team bosses had been different I think Formula One management and the Saudi Ministry of Sport were always going to push ahead with the race but normally you see team bosses take the the, the side of the drivers and, and you know have their backs and uh, you just I didn't see it here even from Toto Wolf really who also he was one of the team principals that said yeah it's unanimous we're gonna race it was a little disappointing because we know you know one of the more vocal drivers was Lewis Hamilton, and he was the one saying yeah. that we don't want to go forward. And it was him. He, he Alonso, said it didn't. When he was asked about it, he said it didn't affect his psychology. But I, I'm convinced it did this weekend. I think being there and the whole situation was upsetting for him. Yeah. Having having seen the fire and the smoke and all of these, and I'm convinced it affected him. You know, apparently Verstappen was also one of the drivers that was. I don't know how vocal he was, but he was apparently one of the drivers that was like, you know, we shouldn't be racing here. He apparently mm. the same thing where he was kind of disturbed with seeing the smoke rising. Mm. 
This is what I've just heard on Twitter. It could be wrong. Yeah, but this it's is one of so the difficult to know what what was said. But you know, we're grateful that no one was hurt. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. But yeah, this is my, my problem with, you know, the Formula One campaigns like We Races One and all of this stuff. So they try to have some sort of moral standpoint. The only reason they're not racing in Russia is because of political sanctions, yeah, meaning absolutely. cash flow isn't happening. They don't care about the war, just as they don't care. You know, we, we talked about this when we, we did the episode on Juan Manuel Fangio mm-hmm. and how Formula One ended up in Cuba because uh, yeah, they pay a lot Batista was trying to use it for uh what was the phrase Uh, sport washing or something sport Sport washing so people are talking about that with saudi like they're trying to sport wash their image and things like this and formula one i don't know i think going to dodgy places has always been part of its dna Mm. and it's this weird thing that it needs to reconcile with is it a force for a good supposedly with all this you know, we race as one and trying to improve things where it goes or is the only thing that's important the cash or can a sport help bring improvement to the lives of ordinary people in a country? I don't know. It's it's so far beyond our day jobs. I, I have no idea what the right answer is, but it's complicated. It's very frustrating. I'll say that. The whole yeah. weekend has been very frustrating to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Should we get on to the Saudi Grand Prix then? Yep. Did you call it the Sad Grand Prix? <laughs> no, I called it Saudi, but we could call it the Sad Grand Prix if you want. <laughs> so, yeah. obviously, everybody knows we're Lewis Hamilton fans. And uh, so this was a particularly painful weekend, but it's okay. Um, what we're going to do is discuss the race. And we're trying to work out what's the best way of discussing the race. Do we go team by team, driver by driver, lap by lap? And we thought, okay... Let's do what we call a three-stop strategy. Discuss the race in three parts. I'm going to talk about the back markers, and then maybe the midfield, and then the front runners, and sort of divide the race into three that way. So let's start with the back markers, who are Williams, McLaren, and Aston Martin. So a pretty uneventful start for everyone, I reckon. Uh, you know, Albon was sort of overtaking Hulkenberg. Ricardo made an early stop on lap 10. Albon got caught up in some incident with Joe. Uh, Joe ended up getting a penalty for it, but, you know, Ricardo was making steady progress on those hard tyres. He passed Latifi by lap 15, and then on lap 16, Latifi ended up in the wall, bringing out the safety car. From lap 23 onwards, Hulkenberg just got swallowed up by everyone behind him, you know, the McLarens, Williams, everybody. And I think the rest of the event there was eventful and uneventful, in that everybody just retired. Um, Ricardo retired uh, some of them didn't even manage to start obviously Mick Schumacher didn't start because of his injury Sonoda didn't start because of mechanical failure and I suppose the only real big talking point was at one point Alex Albon dove up the inside of Lance Stroll smashing into the side of him uh, and sending Stroll spinning so yeah that's that's the, the backfield at the minute yeah, so a couple things that I just kind of thought about. One, I'm I'm really sad about Williams because they spent so much time trying to claw out of the back marker and into the midfield. And last year, I feel like they had made a significant amount of progress in the second half of the season. George was in Q2 a couple times. In Spa, he had gotten himself up to Q1, you know, um, or Q3, I mean. And, and yeah, 
But now looking at these cars, you know, has Williams just made like a massive error in their development or was George Russell really just that good that he was out driving the car every weekend? Because Albin and Latifi were stuck to the back, especially Latifi was awful this whole weekend. So I think it's a combination of all the above. I think Williams, the reason the Williams team struggled so much over the last few years was they didn't have a modern Formula One team structure, I guess. Hmm. I, I think some people say, you know, they, they still half operated like the old Garagista teams of the 80s. Mm-hmm. And they were very, very successful in that era. But they've sort of not modernized in the way, you know, McLaren has evolved and changed. Yeah. You know, but I think the issues that made them slow, you know, lack of funding and all these sort of things meant they couldn't invest and develop and put together a great car Hmm. this time around either. So I think they have built a bad car. I think, you know, in the last set of regulations, when you're starting at the back already, you have the most to gain. So year by year, they were gaining more because they were just catching up with other people. Mm-hmm. Now that we're starting again from zero, other people have leapfrogged them again with their facilities, with their larger staff and all of this sort of things. So apparently they've got the funding now from Dorlington Capital. And they're positioning themselves to be more successful in the future. But I think it's going to be more years of pain for them. Well, they had a double DNF this weekend because Nicholas Latifi also crashed into the wall and oddly enough, that is the third race in a row now that he's crashed into a wall to bring out a safety car, including most infamously in Abu Dhabi. And I, I don't know, I'm just thinking, like, at what point does the money not become worth it? And at what point yeah. do they drop him for somebody else? You know, it's, it's, it's very tricky because on the one hand, I can see why people are frustrated with him now. We know he got a lot of abuse online over... Um, Abu Dhabi really, and some people saying quite vile things death threats all that sort of stuff so there's an element of bullying but at the same time you kind of go well he's not performing as he should be is that because A he's just not good enough full stop or is there something else going on I remember Grosjean being very crashy and he got a sports psychologist and he was very open about how he spoke with a sports psychologist and it improved his performance. Nico Rosberg had a sports psychologist as well, but refused to tell people about it until you know, after he'd retired and things because he was so embarrassed to say, oh, I'm talking to a sports psychologist. So is there something like that going on with Latifi that's making him overthink? Because he crashes in the same way every mm-hmm. time. I don't know what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very frustrating because it's very easy to go... This is just the son of a billionaire who's bought himself a seat. I mean, I don't think it's just that simple, but Formula One is the pinnacle of motorsport. And, 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 you know, at a certain point, your talent needs to shine through. You can't just sit there with your money forever. I don't know. Let's see how Williams does. Uh, I'd hope that they improve. And, you know, another Mercedes team that's kind of in the, the back marker race is Aston Martin. And um, I don't know. I, they also they kind of had like a you know another forgettable race and very like them. I'm more worried about. Why is that? Because I think Williams will just slowly improve. Aston Martin are pouring all this money in, developing new facilities, new wind tunnel, all of this. 
But Lawrence Stroll is a very angry and scary leader, or at least what mm. we see from Drive to Survive and things. And it's very tricky. Some people online say, oh, people at Aston Martin are really scared. There's a tense environment. And then other people come on and say, I work at Aston Martin. Everything's fine. We're really excited for the future. So I hope they're putting in all these moves to become more successful in the future. Mm. My worry is that you you won't know, but like football teams sometimes, you know, when they're not getting immediate success, Mm -hmm. keep firing their manager Mm -hmm. and getting a new manager and a new manager and a new manager. And Ferrari did that for a little while. Remember when Ferrari had a new team principal every 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then (laughs) they needed Matteo Bonato to just sort of steady the ship and go, it's fine, we're not where we want to be just now, but we'll get there. Mm. And now Ferrari are a front-running team again. Mm -hmm. I think Aston Martin need that sort of steady leadership, just Mm. things to be calm. I think they can do it. It's just I worry, are they going to get into a situation like Ferrari where personnel just keep getting fired here's my question for you before we move on to the midfield do you think sebastian Vettel would have outperformed halkenberg and stroll if he was in the car this weekend uh potentially uh, I, I i don't see any reason why he wouldn't so in case uh, you, that's you not don't a... remember stroll finished uh p13 and halkenberg yeah, finished halkenberg p12 was 12 yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think Vettel would have been there or thereabouts. Okay. So I think just that's just where the car is, yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Move on to the midfield. So the midfield action was way more fascinating. There was on-track battles right from the start between the two Ralpine points. I know they're called Alpine, but I'm going to call them Ralpine point <laughs> because it confuses me that Ocon is in the car, they're pink, and... Otmar Snafsauer is. The I team know principal. what is. <laughs> so what is going it's on? Point. Why have they done this? <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, Alonso and Ocon kept exchanging places, uh, and while they were squabbling, Alfa Romeo got involved. Kevin Magnussen got involved in the Haas, and what we're seeing with these new regulations is much closer racing. Not only can you overtake someone, but you can't then just run off into the distance. They have the chance to come back at you, and we were seeing the two. Ralpine's doing this um, and it was it was genuinely exciting to watch um, but then all of a sudden everybody's car started dying Alonso lost power Ricardo lost power Bottas retired from the race yeah, that was pretty incredible all at the same exact moment. same time yeah. so I don't want this show to become about conspiracy theories but people need to watch cars too <laughs> so people say it's total wolf doing it when they talk about the Cars 2 conspiracy theory. Have you heard that? They think it's Total Wolf pushing a button and these cars are turning off. Killing them. Maybe, maybe. But um, unfortunately, the other car we need to talk about in the midfield is the Mercedes. George Field leading up in fifth place and then Lewis Hamilton starting down in 15th, climbing up to sixth, which is pretty good. I think he was driving much better than he was yesterday. And my feeling is the whole missile strike was playing on his mind or something. But anyway, he drove much better today, he climbed all the way up to six, and he just got so unlucky with the pit stop strategy because he was actually told by the team to come in, but because Ricardo's car was blocking it, he just kept driving, whether he thought it was unsafe to come in or what, who knows. 
And then by the time he was able to come in and the pit lane was opened again, everyone else was just shooting off into the distance and he, he fell down. Where, where did he even come out? 12, 13, 14? Yeah, 12. Yeah. So, yeah, he managed to climb up to 10th place again and get a point. But, uh, yeah, not a, not a great weekend for him. So here's my take on the whole thing. One, it was a bad weekend. But I don't know. See, like, you, you have to look at trajectory, right? And I think as bad of a weekend this was for Lewis, I think it was a good weekend for Mercedes and their car. And, and here's what I mean. Clearly, Lewis had a bad quality. You know, this was an awful quality for him. They they thought they could make some changes that would make him faster. And clearly, they're thinking about race pace and not quality pace. And he just couldn't get out of Q1 at all, which is not like him at all. And, you know, even like everyone watching knew it was the car. Like nobody was like, okay, yeah, Lewis Hamilton, he's yeah. washed. He's bad. He can't even get out of yeah, Q1. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone knew immediately it was the car. So he was always going to have some kind of insane recovery drive. And as incredible as it was for him to fight his way back up to P6, when he got to P6, again, everyone was like, he's not going to hold this. You know, he's going to need a safety car miracle in order to Mm. maintain that. And if not, people were saying, you know, goal for him today, P10 with one point at the very least. So he hit his goal, really. Like, P10, that was Mm. what he could have gotten what people saw and what you know tantalized us was the P6 that he was sitting in for so long but it was never going to unless he had timed that safety car brilliantly it wasn't going to work so i was like waiting you know for another safety yeah. car especially when it hit lap 40 and then when i saw alonzo stumbling around i was like oh this might be our chance but then alonzo is like right into the pit lane and i realized like oh you know what i don't think you know, Lewis isn't going to be able to sneak one in. Mm. And so I kind of saw it coming. But the reason I said this was a good weekend for Mercedes is George showed the true pace of the car somehow. And we are closer and, to the top teams than we yeah. were last year. And when week, Lewis sure. was in P6, he was lapping at the same time and occasionally faster than George as well. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think last week we were something like maybe six tenths of a second or maybe a full I think we were a full second off the pace mm. of the front teams and I apologize to the people listening who know the real stats I'll look it up later but I think this week we had we cut we we built on it we were two or three tenths of a second faster so that's mm. good for me for me that is a step forward that we that George is in a comfortable p5 he's not being mm. threatened by the people behind him you know that makes me that that tells me it, w- it was a step forward for Mercedes, and I think that we're gonna keep getting these little steps forward. But this weekend was sh- overshadowed a little bit by Lewis, and like you said, I think maybe something was messing with his head. He just had a bad weekend. He's told us before the race, "I just want to go home," which is the most depressing thing. You know, you can hear him say, "Is I I just want to go home." Yeah. So, yeah, but otherwise, I, I don't think it's the end all for Mercedes. I knew it was gonna be a bad weekend coming in. I said so on our last episode. My goal yeah. for Lewis then was P six. Um. And I just don't think we were ever going to really have a strong weekend here in Jeddah. But eventually, I do think we're we're going to come back. I just want Lewis to... A lot of people get annoyed because they obviously want him to win the World Championship again for the eighth time. But in my mind, step one is just get one win. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll we'll go from there. I just want him to win a race. And that, that'll be me happy because he keeps that record of winning a race every year. Um, but when he wins a race, that'll mean that we have a car that can fight for the championship. They're exactly. going to come hand and in then, hand together. That, and then the championship can come later. Yeah. Um, but then the front-running race, i.e. 
Ferrari versus Red Bull. Mohamed, why don't you tell us about that? Well, before that, there's something else I want to talk about, and that was our friendly racing, what did you call it, Ralping points? Ralping points, yes. Civil war between Alonso and, and Ocon. What? That was crazy. We're on the second race of the season. They don't need yeah. to be fighting each other that hard for what, like P- P7 and P8? Like, and did Ocon finish ahead of Ocon finished ahead of Alonso because in the Alonso last DNF. race? Oh, in the last race, yeah, yeah. Last race, yeah. And everyone was talking about how George versus Lewis is going to be explosive. Yeah. I think George and Lewis are currently united by the fact yeah, that yeah. they need to develop and fix this car. Yeah. So I think this will actually be beneficial for their professional relationship going forward because mm-hmm. they're united over this thing. What I'm fascinated by is Ocon fighting Alonso. Whether Alonso is uncomfortable or what or Ocon is just developing and getting faster and faster and faster, I think is really interesting, and I think that's going to be explosive teammate combo. Yeah, I mean, Alonso beat Ocon last year by something like seven points, I think. He beat him mm. just by a little bit. and, and so Yeah, for he didn't him, destroy him, which was what it, was expected. Exactly, exactly. And so for him, it's like, you know, I'm coming back to Formula 1 to show everyone mm. what I'm made of. And then Ocon, on the other hand, is like, I've got this two-time world champion. I've got to show them that I've that I'm fast, and he's just signed this long-term contract that Alonso doesn't have. So I don't know. I don't think it was fully necessary. It's interesting that um, Otmar, right? I can't remember who their team principal is because there's so much shuffling. Yeah. But Otmar wanted them to race. He said, "Yeah, let's race in the beginning." And then as Botas kind of started like peeking his head, like, "Oh, are we gonna? <laughs> can I'm gonna pick up some of the scraps of this fight?" <laughs> he started like trying to sneak around. Um, and then they're like, okay, okay, keep keep both us behind. We're not going to be able to stop fighting each other. But then, unfortunately, Alonso retired anyway. We got, we have to. What is? Why do you think this happened? Botas, Alonso, and Ricardo all losing power at the same time. Is it just bad coincidence? Is it like you said, reliability issues? And this is really it's that bad guy from Cars Two with his like magic mm-hmm. ray because they've changed the fuel. That was literally the plot of Cars Two. They put this weird new fuel in, and E-10. everybody was huh. E10. Yes, it's, they've all put this new E10 fuel in. It messed with Red Bull last race. It's messed with other people this race. It's, it's the plot of Cars 2. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's just, I'm wild that this is what we're in right now. But uh, I guess moving to the front runners. So we had yeah. we had our blockbuster fight, Ferrari versus Red Bull, that everyone wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Sergio was on pole, which no one saw coming. It was pretty incredible. I was watching it from the timing sheets. Uh, I like turned off the actual live feed, but uh, for a while, Carlos was first, and then Leclerc, and then last second, uh, Checo came and took pole. His first pole in Formula 1 ever, which is really nice for him. Um, he had a good start, too. He kept Leclerc behind, and he was leading for a long time up until Latifi's safety car. Uh, when Latifi brought the safety car out, he basically pitted just a little too early, and that made him lose position uh, he was down in fourth, and then by then, the fight became between Leclerc and Verstappen. Sainz had a pretty good start as well. He overtook, uh, I think he overtook Verstappen right at the start, so he was in third. Oh, no, Verstappen overtook Sainz at the start, and uh, mm-hmm. he was able to, to keep that position. But when it, that was, you know, the Leclerc-Sainz fight, uh, sorry, the Leclerc-Verstappen fight, and the Sainz fight was last week. Uh, that was really what I think people had been hoping for out of Formula 1. Close fighting and a battle like that. They're able to follow each other, like, really right behind each other for the entire yeah. lap, which is really cool to see. And um, I, I got to give props to Max Verstappen. I, I never do this, and I hope I never have to do it again. But last week <laughs> I said that he had to learn from his mistakes. He was just frustratingly driving and trying the same thing over and over, and Leclerc just kept doing the same defense over and over. 
but this week he learned and you could actually see the moment he learned in the live feed he was going to overtake Leclerc on his second or third attempt of doing so thought about it backed off let the DRS kick in and then overtook hmm. Leclerc and by then Leclerc had no way to defend himself and then he held on to the yeah. lead so yeah. he learned a little bit he he's driving a little bit more mature um than he did last year and so he I guess from but that point of view he deserved the win it's a, it's amazing to me because both of them were doing it you know Leclerc dummied at one point yeah so that Verstappen would go past him and then Leclerc would take the DRS and get back ahead and it's the way they're planning and they're having to think about so much while they're driving so fast in between those walls that are so so close to their tires it's it's amazing what all of them are doing yeah yeah absolutely and they all had good races science yeah he was pretty close to Leclerc the entire time he didn't kind of drop off he's able to hold uh, Checo behind really the only loser from the front runner is Checo and I feel horrible yeah, for him because the timing was just unlucky bad. him and Lewis both just got slightly unlucky by the safety car and it hurt them by three or four positions mm. because Lewis just missed the pit entry because Ricardo was in there you know if the timing had been slightly different and he had come in before Ricardo had stumbled into the pit lane entry he would have probably finished p6 and Checo if he had not pit, pitted when he did it was actually a pretty brilliant move by Ferrari they kind of baited the the pit stop and they could win mm. either way because if if Checo pits then they stay out and they inherit the lead if he stays out then they pit and they undercut uh, Checo so they get the lead anyway so it was a pretty smart move from Ferrari uncharacteristically smart from them but uh, Checo unfortunately was the victim of that and that's how he lost his position um, but otherwise, I think this was the fight that, you know, we all kind of wanted to see. I, I'm very upset that Verstappen won, but I do have to give him credit that he did deserve this win. He was yeah. patient and measured, and he took advantage of Leclerc, you know. So, I don't know. One interesting thing I want to hear mm-hmm. your take on is why in the final safety car, Verstappen is four seconds behind Leclerc, but as soon as the second the, the safety car ends, he's right up behind him. This is like a conspiracy theory I've heard on Twitter that he was not within the delta of the safety car and he was actually driving a little bit faster. What do you think? The problem with the virtual safety car is you just have to be less than the delta. And yeah. depending on where you are and the corner and all of this, so... Leclerc was probably under the delta and Verstappen would be under because if he was above it at any point he'd get a penalty that it's an easy thing to find out yeah so he was doing a better job of being just under it whereas Leclerc would have been more under it if that makes sense hmm so he's taking advantage yeah it's it's a skill to go and it's a bit of a problem because what you're saying to drivers is go, go as fast as you possibly can yeah without breaking the speed limit rather than just saying look everybody slow down and we'll maintain the gaps that you all have yeah i don't know how from a practical perspective how do you actually maintain those gaps how do you make sure that everybody is the exact same distance apart from each other unless you restart and send them all out one by one sure at those gaps but it's, I think they should just let the safety car go out. The virtual safety car, the idea behind it is like you don't intrude on the race too much. Just have the real safety car go out, you know? Or no, <laughs> am I wrong? But it, it it depends where you're sat. If you're further back, like our driver was, Lewis, a safety car would have helped us go forward. 
Whereas yeah. if you're in the lead and you've worked hard to build up oh, yeah, I a 10 second gap or something, <laughs> then why would you want your entire thing taken away? I have already no forgotten. fault of your own. I've exactly. already forgotten about Abu Dhabi. <laughs> so it's it's a very tricky thing. I, I, I don't know what the right way of going about it is, but yeah, they, they want to cause as little interruption. How you do a better job of maintaining those gaps? Because if you're going down the straight, your delta will be so much. Like, you know, if you're somewhere going through a series of corners, yeah, then you're going to be slowed down much more than someone who's just going down the pit straight. And then suddenly yeah. the race restarts. And you're obviously going to be a lot closer at that point because all you did was go down the straight a bit slower. Yeah. So who knows? <laughs> right. Well, that was our race. Is there anything else that kind of stuck out to you that you want to talk about? Well, we do have our fantasy F1 and we can see how people have done this week with with uh, their guesses. I did terribly. I got 106 points this week. I had Alonso, Hamilton, Bottas, and my team was Alfa Romeo, who couldn't even serve their five-second penalty properly. So, <laughs> You know, that <laughs> is so really weird. Bad. I've not seen that happen before, where they just don't even like do the stopwatch thing correctly. Yeah, aye, aye, aye. So we have Zayan M, who's leading our championship overall. But in terms of just this race, the person that scored the most points was Christina S. from the USA with her team, which has a terrible name. She's called it Team One, which means she's not ah. gone into the settings to change the team. But she got 252 points with Sainz, Gasly, Leclerc, Alonso, and Bottas. So she won with two drivers that DNF'd? Yep. What? She got so many points from Ferrari. <laughs> so she will win a 3D printed version of the Saudi track made for us by Little Prince 3D. If you would also like to start your own collection of 3D printed tracks, which I have done myself, head to their store, which we will link in the notes below, or visit Etsy and search for <laughs> Little Prince 3D and use the code SLOWPITSTOP to get a 10% discount now. Here's my ethical dilemma. Yeah. For at least maybe the next race, maybe even the one after... Right now, I've got Lewis Hamilton in my team. Yeah. Is it the smart move to have Verstappen instead with the two Ferrari drivers? I already dropped Lewis Hamilton. I, I, <gasps> I don't, I'm a massive... I am a what? huge Lewis fan. I love him. I love him. But he's not fighting the top teams right now. He knows it. I know it. Toto Wolf knows it. The Cars 2 villain knows it. So for now, I've just got to mix a Ferrari and... Um, Red Bull in there. I don't have Verstappen because he's too expensive, uh, but I've got some. I've got both Leclerc and Sainz, and then I've got some of the like Ferrari powered team people. I had Bottas, but he DNF'd, so that was yeah. Sucked. I had Bottas too. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, so you've dropped Lewis already. So maybe I don't need to feel embarrassed about doing that. Look, Lewis. We love Lewis, right? But when it comes to putting our money where our mouth is, right now is not the time. I, I'm waiting to make him my Mega Driver on a weekend, and probably Silverstone yeah. when I know he'll win. So yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they'll win Monaco. Whoever put him as a have, mega driver I, in Brazil, I have a feeling Lewis will win Monaco this year. You think he'll win Monaco? Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Oh, one other thing. So, I want to talk a little bit more about Mercedes, just because I know our fans uh, tend to be Mercedes fans, just from what we've seen on Twitter. If I'm wrong, please don't attack me. But uh, look, apparently, attack him, attack him now. <laughs> apparently, there is a three-step plan for Mercedes, so this should give us hope. 
Step one is in Australia, they're going to bring a new floor. Step two is in Imola, they're going to bring a slightly bigger upgrade package. And step three, in Barcelona, they're going to bring a massive upgrade package. Their goal is to be competitive again by Barcelona. So I think that's a good sign. If they already are bringing a new floor, yeah. and and you know what? There's no porpoising this week. And at such a high-speed track, you would expect massive amounts of porpoising. And in FP1 and FP2, we saw it. But in the race, mm. no porpoising. That's that's a massive step forward. So I think car-wise, mm-hmm. I think we're doing well. I think Lewis-wise, this week was just a little... It was tough. But... Yeah. Not a lot, a lot, you know, it's only the second race. And uh, if Stefano Domenicali gets his way, we're gonna have 50 races in the year, so you don't have to worry too much. <laughs> 50 races a week, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're racing every single day, it's their way of yeah. getting testing time. And, um, how, how much do they play baseball? Baseball's like that, isn't it? I don't follow baseball, I follow football. Football is every week. What about or even basketball? They play like seven matches against each team, don't they? Yeah, there's a lot. But the difference is that, like, it's a longer season. I don't think it's as, sh- like, I don't think it's the way Formula 1 is. They don't have, like, a month off in the middle. I think it's mm. a longer season, so it works out. Like, the teams aren't just exhausted and gassed by the end of it, mm. you know? Fair yeah. enough. Can we talk about the Marco in the room? The Marco? Yeah, the helmet Marco in the room. Oh, helmet Marco. What a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, I know. Did you hear what he said this week? <clears throat> So I don't know the exact words, but it was something like when German. the missile happened, he was like, well, Verstappen's not scared. He's not scared of anything. Sergio's a little bit scared, which is surprising because, you know, he's from Mexico City. They have bombs all the time. Yeah. How awful is that? How horrible is that to say that about your own team person that you employ that like, ah, he's from a bomb stricken city anyway. And then to compare him to Max, people on Reddit were saying... Uh, Max is too tense, less scared than Checo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's bad, isn't it? I don't, I don't know, even know what to say. You know, last year they officially censored Helmet Marco towards the end of the season, and they like just took the mic away and they said you're not allowed to do press stuff. And that, but that was towards the end. How early do you think they'll do that this year? Following this, probably now. <laughs> probably now. <laughs> Awful. I'm laughing, should not but I be doing... shouldn't laugh. I know. It's just it's so bad, isn't it? Yeah. Another real quick thing I want to add. Red Bull powertrain saga. Mm. So clearly it was not a one-off thing. I mean, yes, okay, both cars didn't DNF this week. Good for them. But the Alpha Tories had a lot of problems in FP1 <clears throat> and FP2. Uh, Gasly had some issues in quali. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda couldn't start the race. You know, I don't, you, you know, you said this was something they could solve in a week. What do you think now? Well, I think the Red Bull side of it has. No. The Alpha Tauri... Well, this is the thing. You would rather something fast but fragile because you can build in reliability. Mm-hmm. Right now, it looks like the Red Bull cars and the Ferrari cars are all at the top end of the table. Yeah. And the Mercedes-powered ones are towards the back end. Is that just coincidence? The longer this goes on, the more you're going to say, well, no, it isn't. Mm. So I would rather have an engine that's fast and put reliability in later than have a reliable engine that isn't fast. Even if you're not starting the race because your driver can't even make it to the formation lap? Yeah, but you're not going you're, you're gonna to have that one event, two events, something like that. It's not going to be like that every week. Hmm. Next week, he'll come back. Yeah. I also think it's worth to note that this week pretty much showed that it's not a Mercedes power engine uh, 
powertrain problem necessarily for mm. all the teams because Williams and Aston Martin were slow this week, obviously, for different reasons. Oh, and another team we haven't even talked about, McLaren. McLaren made huge gains. P11 and P12, I think, for... Let me check. For Norris. How did no, Ricardo finish? crashed out. Oh, Ricardo crashed out. But he was doing pretty well before he crashed out. Before yeah. he, but I think they, they made pretty large either. gains considering they were like 17 and 18 last week. Yeah. Cut the cut their way halfway through, so I don't know. I I, I my theory was these teams have a lot of power to unlock, and they're going to make mm. their way back to the top. And I, I still stick by that. Again, it's only the second race, yeah. a long way to go, a lot of drama left. Any moments that stick out to you? So should we do our top three moments of the weekend? Yeah. So my number one top moment of our three is Jensen Button commentating on. Well, he was commentating on the whole race. But when Albon crashed into the side of Stroll, as many people know, Jensen Button is an ambassador for Williams Racing. He's paid by them. And he was just like, everybody knew it was Albon's fault, but he was just like, oh, um, well, it's it's, it's really difficult to say. You know, he, he maybe he shouldn't have gone for that gap, but oh yeah, maybe it's Stroll's fault for for leaving for leaving that gap there. It's like, how is it Stroll's fault for leaving a gap if Albin spears into the side of him? But he just he couldn't say anything against the team that he is actively working for, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. could hear it in his voice. So that made me chuckle. That was one of my highlights of the weekend. What about you? I like Jensen commentating, um, but yeah, mm. that was that was pretty funny. Um, one of my top three moments uh, of the weekend. Uh, I got to think about it. You go, go, go next. Let me think of a couple. Well, I think the, the other highlight that we all loved to see was Mick Schumacher was okay. I think it was pretty scary when he had his big crash. Not so much because of the crash itself, but because they didn't show him to us on the camera. And the longer we didn't see him, the more your mind starts to worry about mm. the worst. Mm. And... Um, to see him walking around and fine and doing press interviews and things was was really really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That was a big big shunt into the wall. Mm. So very happy to hear he's okay. One of the moments I liked from this weekend is when Checo was on pole. They asked Max Verstappen, "So are you going to be doing all you can to assist Checo in getting the win?" And obviously this question like <laughs> caught him completely off guard because he was like, "What?" Oh. Yeah, yeah, I guess. It depends. Like, he just didn't have an answer. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I missed that. I need, I need to find that on YouTube. <laughs> it was just like, am I going to be assisting him in getting... I, I guess. <laughs> but uh, um, the second thing that I really liked is when uh, Lewis finished the race and then his engineer got on the radio, Bono, and he was like, so that's P10, Lewis. And Lewis is like, oh. Are there even are there any points for P10? Like he hasn't, he can't remember what it feels like to finish oh, in tenth place. He's like, yeah, oh, there's no. a point for that. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh no. He's like, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. So that's the Saudi Grand Prix. We'll be back next week with some miscellaneous adventure, and then we're going to go on to Australia from there. Exciting times. We, yeah. I don't know. Don't have anything else to say. But thank you everyone for listening. This has been three minutes to midnight. It's three minutes till Wordle time. Let's end on that. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Bye.
This has been a production for Not That Good Media.